Welcome to The Tech Between Us, a podcast that takes a look at the past, present, and future of some of today's most influential technologies. Hi, I'm Raymond Yen, your host and director of technical content at Mauser Electronics, a leading global distributor of semiconductors and electronic components. We've all seen it. Drivers texting, picking their favorite song from their personal audio system, it's not just a car radio anymore, or even almost nodding off after a long day. Most of us are probably guilty of these every once in a while. We've been told time and again how dangerous distracted driving is. We're all looking forward to the day that self-driving cars are finally here and we can nap or watch our favorite movie while on the way home. Well, that's level 5 autonomous driving, also known as full autonomy, and it's years away. We are only at the cusp of level 3 or conditional autonomy. At level 3, the driver must be able to immediately take control of the car if the conditions, hence a conditional autonomy, fall out of the range of the autonomous mode. The car itself needs to know that the driver is alert and not distracted and able to grab the wheel, so to speak, if needed. Unfortunately, according to consumer reports, research has shown that drivers are less likely to pay attention when using current automotive automation, such as adaptive cruise control and lane changing. Driver monitoring systems are required not only to sound an alarm of some kind to tell the driver to pay attention, but also to determine if it's safe to hand control back to the human without causing an accident. As the name suggests, DMS systems only look at the driver. What about the rest of the interior of the cabin? Can a similar system help us avoid the hundreds of heartbreaking scenes of infant death or injury from being left in a hot car? Or even something as innocuous as being able to stop the annoying alarm that's sounding because the car thinks my pizza order in the front seat is a passenger not wearing their seatbelt? To help us delve into the new driver and occupant monitoring systems, we have with us today Modar Alawi, founder and CEO of Iris. Modar, thanks for being with us today on The Tech Between Us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Just briefly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what Iris does? Yeah, so um, um, I've been involved in computer vision AI for um, just a little over a decade now. My my academic uh, training is in human behavior understanding, uh, and that's from uh, Concordia University in Montreal. Um, I have always been kind of entrepreneurial spirited uh, with a big passion for cars and transportation in, in general. Um, I also have a genuine motivation that's uh, quite personal about automotive safety. So it kind of made perfect sense for me to uh, start a human-centric um, vision AI company in the automotive space. Iris Today is the leader or one of the leaders. Iris Today is the leader in uh, what is known as in-cabin sensing AI. So understanding everything that happens inside uh, vehicles in general, whether it's passenger or commercial vehicles, using a multitude of sensors, but most uh, m most importantly, um, the primary sensor is image sensors now and its cameras. So naturally, as a computer vision AI company, we rely heavily on image sensors as as the richest uh, in order to, to receive. We rely heavily on image sensors in order to um, um, collect uh, the richest source of information about what happens inside the cabin. It's like you have the perfect job, basically combining your, your academic career along with all your passions. That's fantastic. It, it really all uh, kind of so happened uh, serendipitously, uh, so to speak. But um, of course, there's been a little bit of a prep work to this. So um, yeah, I wouldn't complain. We've talked about how, how critical it is for autonomous driving. Um, but, you know, what exactly is driving, you know, 
okay, pun intended, uh, the need for driver monitoring? Is it, um, you know, is it simply the car companies adding extra safety features? Is it regulatory? Or is it simply that the, you know, the technology has finally matured for us to be able to do this effectively? It's kind of a combination of all the things you, you mentioned. Uh, number one, technology advances. Uh, cars are basically the ultimate toy for consumers. Um, and uh, naturally, um, uh, technology has been lacking in automotive in the automotive industry for a while uh, for for a number of reasons. But now, with the advancement of AI and uh, computation, it, it 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 kind of made sense, um, and, and it's a natural t- transition for technology to kind of focus on 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 automotive. Um, there's also um, you know safety concerns. Um, you know about thirty thousand. Um, uh, lives are lost uh, globally due to car accidents per year, which is an astounding number. Um, there's also focus um, that has shifted slightly from external perception for autonomous vehicles towards the in-cabin, simply because a lot of the companies involved in uh, the uh, autonomous uh, you know vehicle industry they're they're realized that it's really hard uh, or harder than expected and therefore they started to look at into uh, you know what, what is the second domain or the what's what's the next logical domain where we could apply AI um, uh, for automotive uh, where it could potentially be quicker and relatively easier to do and so um, uh, lastly, there is regulation uh, pretty much everywhere in the world, but um, it's being spearheaded in Europe um, for driver monitoring, and now it is in place for uh, model year 2025 and beyond. And um, it's uh, 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 every other region in, in the world is f- following suit. So the U.S. has legislations that are that are um, um, available now or that have been presented uh, and so is the same thing for uh, Asia particularly Japan Korea and uh, China well what you're saying is I mean literally by for the 2025 year model if a car doesn't have a driver monitoring system it just can't be sold in Europe that's correct, partially. Um, similar to backup cameras, um, regulations here in the US, um, there will be an incremental um, uh, number of vehicles every year uh, that have that has to have driver monitoring systems or rather camera-based driver monitoring systems in uh, in in Europe, um, and so that will go all the way up to 2023. So um, I'm not exactly sure of the numbers or the percentages because those keep changing uh, quite frequently. But um, the premise of this is basically uh, a good percentage of vehicles, brand new vehicles sold in Europe, model 2025, will have to have driver monitoring systems that are based on uh, image sensors or cameras. Um, and, and so that percentage will continue to increase uh, over the following five years until 100% of vehicles sold in Europe 
by 2030 or somewhere around that time frame, we'll have to have a camera-based driver monitoring system. So it's going to be phased in, but it's definitely by 2025 that it is something that is clearly going to be a, a, a legislative target for, for Europe. And like you said, I mean, U.S., Asia, it's pretty much global. It's a pretty much a global initiative. That, that, that is correct. So obviously, every large uh, car manufacturer uh, targets global um, a global market, including Europe. And so if they are designing vehicles for 2025, then, uh, and they know there is uh, regulation in Europe. So clearly they will introduce some of these features in all of their vehicles throughout the world, regardless whether some of those markets have mandated the technology or not. FACRA RF connectors from Molex offer a sealed inline solution for exterior automotive cameras, radio antenna, keyless entry and any application requiring an IP69K rating. It uses a mechanical key feature and visual color code to differentiate between applications. Learn more at mauser.com slash molex. You'd mentioned that all these new laws are based on or talking about camera or vision-based systems. What sorts of hardware is going to be involved in Obviously, there's going to be a camera, but you know what? What other sorts of hardware is going to be involved in in actually using this camera and integrating it into a, a dash system of some kind? There's a you know this in cabin sensing is uh, you know not not very much known to a lot of people, I guess, but um, but it is a bit of an ecosystem. There are so many variables, so many components that that uh, uh, are taken into consideration for this um, domain uh, or square footage to be understood uh, with the highest uh, level of of uh, of uh, you know uh, of accuracy if you would and so the components are image sensors uh, of course you have uh, lenses uh, active illumination uh, components you have uh, processors you have other peripherals uh, such as you know the you know cabling and, and things like that and and then of course you have the software that 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 is the brain of the uh, of the technology. Um, most importantly, uh, the computation uh, requirements have 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 been um, uh, advancing. Luckily, lately. Um, especially when you know with, with with the introduction of AI chips just over the last few years. Um, however, uh, the what we what we find out is car companies today are still struggling between having a dedicated um, a dedicated processor that is just for in-cabin sensing versus sharing resources, let's say with the infotainment processor or the head units or the ADAS processor. And so these are things that are still being figured out between the advanced engineers teams, the ADAS teams, and uh, and uh, the rest of the engineers that are focused on in-cabin sensing parts. What you're saying is that, I mean, there are currently pretty powerful processors running um, in the new infotainment systems. There's going to be, as ADAS becomes more and more autonomous. There's going to be powerful processors there. So the driver monitoring could piggyback on top of that, or 
I mean, like you said, I mean, be have a have its own dedicated system. Is there a, a, a trend, or I mean, are are you see what are you guys seeing as far as trends? Are we, are we leaning more towards dedicated or more towards integrated? Uh, the trend is definitely leaning more towards a dedicated processor because it makes sense as uh, as we provide as a software company and and all of the others in the in cabin sense in industry. As there are more features presented to car companies for the in cabin space, uh, that requires naturally more processing power. And so it also requires new functional safety standards. And, uh, and, and so the trend is, um, even from the chip manufacturers, they're, they're dedicating time and resources into, into dedicated processors. And so this is kind of what we do expect in the near future. However, um, I, I would say there are still those traditional OEMs that are, um, conscious about the pricing, but most importantly, wanted to, you know, uh, simplify their engineering processes where they um, propose a, uh, a shared resource with the head units or the ADAS or uh, the infotainment. And so there is there is a bit of a a bit of a battle within the engineering teams, as you could imagine, from from within uh, from within the OEMs and the tier ones alike. Right. Yeah, I'm sure each of the teams is not wanting to give up any of their precious processing power for other systems. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, all of them are going to be required. That is correct. So we do make the case for dedicated chips. And of course, we we make suggestions for our partner companies and we provide even um, you know, some sort of reference designs for them, which cuts on their costs and development time and uh, in, in effort to advance the trend towards dedicated systems. Because at the end of the day, um, the AI advances at a much faster pace than processors. And we do present or offer or propose uh, some future-proof processors that could potentially be good for the next uh, five to 10 years, so to speak, with, uh, especially with the advancements of over-the-air updates. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it is always up to the customer. And, uh, and so we find ourselves, you know, trying to navigate through these, these waters while preaching as much as possible for dedicated processors. You know, and, and something just, I, I, you know, a, a thought just struck me. So, I mean, with the, with the new driver monitoring systems, there's going to be, you know, a, a, some sort of camera or vision based system. What about privacy? Are, are, are there any concerns um, about privacy and having a camera pointed at the driver, you know, every time they step behind the wheel? Yeah, I mean, there will always be um, some uh, concern with regards to privacy from a certain, um, you know, group of uh, consumers. Um, I don't think that will ever, ever change. The way these image sensors work today, they're not a recording device as, uh, you know, regular cameras that you would find in a supermarket or a bank or elsewhere. Um, These are literally sensors that look at uh, the environment and translate it into data immediately by shredding the image or the video. There is actually no recording that happens. Um, there could potentially be a recording for, um, for events as needed. But at the end of the day, the consumer has always the choice to use some of these features if they wanted to or not. Uh, Tesla, for example, today and some other vehicles have a camera built into their vehicles 
and uh, they clearly state, uh, you know, would you like us to collect data in order to enhance some of our in-cabin features or not? And at the end of the day, the consumer ho- always has a choice. The downside for them not using some of these features is that, of course, the vehicle will not potentially move from a level one to two or from level two to three and so forth, simply because the camera is not activated. And so, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword for the consumer. But uh, what's more important is these are um, sensors that no longer record video as, uh, you know, as most people, you know, were used to uh, in, in a days uh, when, when they hear about a camera inside, uh, inside a space. I actually had never thought about that. You know, it's a natural tendency, like you said, when people think hear the word camera, they think recording device. Um, whereas the, the the cameras, quote quote, uh, that you're talking about, like you said, are more sensor sensing devices um, without the back end recording part of it. And I think you know, and, and that to me is is an important distinction between you know, kind of what what you guys are doing in driver monitoring compared to, you know, like you said, a bank or, you know, or something like that. That is correct. So initially when we started and that dates back to, um, you know, end of, uh, 2013, uh, you know, we were talking about cameras inside the cabin. And so that was received uh, with a lot of uh, both excitement, but also skepticism. Fast forward uh, a couple of years later, you know, OEMs and tier one started to seriously think about this. And so, you know, when car companies try to introduce a camera inside the vehicle, it's almost like we don't even have to talk about it. Um, You know, the end product here is the car and uh, the car manufacturer decides to put a camera in there. So we're kind of not even in the mix. Our software obviously abides by all privacy laws worldwide. And, uh, and so, uh, that's kind of been bypassed for the most part now. And the, the benefits really, Raymond, the benefits here, uh, far outweigh any privacy concerns simply because we're focused here primarily on safety. And like you mentioned earlier, the consumer can technically turn off some of these features, but at a cost of some, some of the more advanced, uh, autonomous features, like, you know, going from level one to two and two to three, where some, some of the, 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 the features of a driver monitoring system is absolutely required. That is correct. So some of these features are enabling technologies and therefore they could enable additional features where the vehicle becomes more and more automated uh, in order to provide uh, safety, comforts and convenience to the consumer. In the discussion here, it, it you know, the, the hardware is obviously advanced, um, but it seems like, you know, the, the software is going to be doing most of the heavy lifting in these systems. It's, you know, you've got a basic, you know, a processor, an image sensor, you know, you know, K and things like that. But, um, you know, a lot of software sounds like it's going to be involved in, in, in a lot of machine learning. The Hayabusa image sensor platform from OnSemi brings new levels of performance and image quality to ADAS and in-cabin applications, providing both viewing and sensing capabilities. And built on a common pixel architecture, Hayabusa image sensors reduce development time and effort across automotive imaging applications. Learn more at mauser.com slash OnSemi. Can you walk us through a little bit about some of the algorithms that that you guys are using and, and that are going to be required for a uh, a driver monitoring system? Yeah, so h- historically companies started to look into driver monitoring systems in order to understand where the driver is looking at 
And so they started looking into eye tracking companies. And so some of these companies were labeling themselves as eye tracking companies. <laughs> um, technically, when, when, when the use case uh, kind of converged a little bit more towards, hey, can we do the eye tracking of the driver? Then, of course, um, you know, everyone kind of shifted focus towards um, uh, automotive and, and therefore they, they, they became driver monitoring companies. But um, the, 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 the software, like you mentioned, is, is actually the brain in, in all of this. So uh, essentially what, what the software does is it looks at the driver, whether they're present or not. Uh, generally, uh, it's the upper uh, it's it's the upper um, upper body or the upper por portion of of the body, so uh, so the head most importantly um, looks at the uh, head location. It it uh, basically uh, understands where the facial features are. It tracks the face as well as the facial features in real time, actually multiple times per or you know up to 30 frames per second and then it understands where the pupil is whether the eyelids are open or not whether the person is blinking or not what's their head position and then uh, we go beyond the driver monitoring where we understand for example upper body posture orientation upper body height width size um uh, you know, all the joints of the actual body where the shoulders are relative to the elbows and relative to the wrists and things like that. Um, and, 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 and after that, um, we also look into other things that are, that are complementary. Are there any objects within a scene? Uh, what is the driver doing? Is he paying attention or not? Um, uh, are they doing a gesture they're not supposed to be doing? Are they engaged into a conversation? Uh, what is their what is their emotional distraction look like? So we look at the entire in cabin scene, uh, which of course includes the driver primarily, but we do much more than just focusing on the driver, but rather the entire in cabin space. So obviously, it's gone way beyond eye tracking, simple eye tracking, and 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 understanding where the driver is is looking. It's it, it, I mean, the cameras now are able to paint an entire picture of, you know, the you know the, the what the driver is doing. What I mean, almost to the point where you know what they're feeling and what I mean based on posture and things like that. So so really, isn't it a fairly advanced portrait of of the entire scene rather than just the eyes? Oh, absolutely. In fact, when we initially started, there was a lot of noise around driver monitoring systems. And so we kind of had to focus on all the areas that were less understood at that time for a number of reasons. But then as we um, started recommending different camera positions, different field of views for the camera lenses and things like that, um, naturally, um, you know, our customers um, started asking, can you also offer driver monitoring systems, but from this other location? And of course, uh, we were able to provide them with, uh, you know, um, uh, all the features that they were asking for, plus driver monitoring system. And so some of these features include um, um, body tracking, objects recognition, hand gesture, hand understanding. And all of that was using only camera 
um, uh, image sensors or cameras. And then just about two years ago, we introduced uh, also um, uh, the, what we call the world's first in-cabin sensor fusion AI, where we combine image sensors with radar and thermal imagers in order to understand the in-cabin space uh, better and more accurately, uh, similar to external perception or, you know, the autonomous vehicle trend today, it uses multiple sensors in order to understand the environment. Um, we see, we see a very natural transition today that will take place inside the cabin and will actually have multiple sensors, uh, combined or fused, if you would in order to better understand the, the, the space, not just the, for the driver, but also for the passenger, the second row seats, the third row seats, and not only just for passenger vehicles, but also for commercial vehicles. And we believe that the applications are endless. So you've gone beyond just, you know, monitoring, you know, the one person, you know, that's behind the wheel um, into, you know, monitoring the occupants of the car bay, both in the front you know, passenger seat as well as the back seat. And you had even mentioned men, uh, monitored looking at objects and the overall in cabin space. You know, what are from an algorithmic and a, you know, what the camera is looking for standpoint, what are the differences between what you're doing with the driver versus when you're doing occupant monitoring or, or as you put it, in cabin monitoring? So naturally, we look into the primary driver monitoring features such as, um, you know, landmark tracking, head bows eye gaze, percentage of, of eye closure. Uh, but then we go a little bit beyond that. We obviously provide ear localization. We provide face ID, the entire set of seven emotions, drowsiness, fatigue, attention, distraction, uh, gender and age group. And we do that not only with 2D, but in 3D, although we use 2D sensors. And so we, we, we call it monocular 3D uh, DMS or advanced DMS plus, uh, all of the other features for, uh, body, object, hand, gesture, etc. So we truly believe that the future for in-cabin sensing is 3D. The world actually, as we perceive it, is in 3D. And therefore, uh, you know, some of the, um, R&D that we've started doing a uh, little over two years now is, uh, is particularly to solve this problem of using simple uh, 2D image sensors, primarily RGBIR sensors, but uh, but providing three-dimensional information for our customers. And we truly believe that that would be, or that is the holy grail of understanding in-cabin sensing space. So you're able to take, you know, with the with these 2D sensors and creating the 3D models, you know, get a get an accurate picture of the overall in-cabin space occupants, uh, as well as, you know, car surfaces, uh, you know, seats and, and things like that. When you look at the artificial intelligence or machine learning aspect of it, is it one gigantic model or are you, are, are you looking at multiple models of, you know, one model for occupants, one model for surfaces? Or, I mean, how is, how is the, the machine learning aspect of that looking? That's a really great question. Um, ideally, everything needs to fit into one single model, except that different customers have different requirements and have different KPIs uh, for production. And sometimes 
multiple models are the best uh, way to go. Uh, and I say multiple, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be 10 models at once, but uh, maybe, you know, three to five, say, depending on the list of features, of course, that are being uh, requested. And some other times, one single model makes perfect sense. And uh, if you look at the state of the art today for, for AI, uh, everything is based on deep learning. Deep learning today is uh, primarily uh, supervised learning, which requires uh, annotation or manual labeling of of the data. And of course, speaking of data, that requires uh, you know for 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 models to learn, they require a significant amount of data sets. This is one of the one of the things that we've uh, initially started uh, you know or realized early on is you know there is no publicly available data sets for the in cabin. So we set out to collect what we believe today is the world's largest in cabin data set uh, from thousands of individuals that we hired for one to two hours at a time. They come into uh, our labs and uh, drive vehicles in, you know, specialized tracks or sit in a stationary, stationary vehicle and, and kind of simulate a driving experience. Um, so so the, 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 all of that for the purpose of collecting as much information as possible from the driver and, of course, the passenger and of course the passengers, uh, but but also it is to enable uh, as much as possible uh, training one single model that understands multitude of things. And so the end goal is to have uh, uh, the least amount of models running in parallel, uh, but ideally one single model that can understand the entire in-cabin space. So you guys have actually gone and, you know, created your own models just for the lack of a, of, of a public data set or a, you know, um, you know, a standardized data set. Um, the models that you've created, um, are, are you making those available to, you know, I mean, to, to others? Or, I mean, it sounds like they're pretty, you know, they're pretty extensive models. Technically, we, we have generic models that we offer to most of our customers. And it doesn't mean those are the model, the final models that they want to use for production. But, uh, of course, uh, for production, things could potentially change from one vehicle to another or from one camera location to another. And therefore, we apply advanced machine learning techniques and transfer learning, basically, that allows us to customize our models for each individual customer, each individual vehicle, camera placements, field of view, image sensor, etc. Once again, it sounds like you've gone kind of this, taken done this extra step and, and created your own models. And, and once again, it's not like they're fairly robust models for the entire cabin. That's right, and that's what we 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 believe, and that's where we see the the, in, the trend uh, going forward. Uh, uh, everything needs to consolidate at the end of the day into one or a, a, you know the least amount of models in order to understand as much as possible about the in cabin space. And Modar, from from what you've described, it sounds like you know you. I mean, you are going you know, way beyond, you know, what's required in legislation, the current legislation for camera and vision-based driver monitoring. Where do you guys see yourself, I mean, I mean, from a technology standpoint, after fulfilling all the requirements of legislation and, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the automobile, I mean, the, your, your end customers and whatnot, you know, where do you see this technology going? You know, Raymond, we, we look at this space as a, as a virgin territory. Uh, it's the least understood 
space where the consumers spend a significant amount of time in. And so initially when we started looking into what else we can do to understand the in-cabin space, what are the features, what are the use cases, we couldn't help but to think about what could the data do or enable from the in-cabin space. Um, we truly believe that um, opportunities would uh, basically become available for uh, commerce companies that are outside of the vehicle space. Uh, we also think that this data could potentially be valuable to um, companies such as entertainment. Uh, this is the third living space after the homes and, 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 and the offices for most consumers. So, you know, how can, you know, once safety is established or, or, you know, or, or, or improved significantly, what else can be done? Uh, how can we improve comfort? How can we improve convenience? How can we connect this in-cabin space or these consumers to the world? And so um, we're literally just scratching the opportunities that understanding in-cabin, automotive in-cabin space can offer. And, uh, and, and, uh, we're super excited about, uh, about the future and, and, uh, what could, uh, could, could this mean to, uh, to future technologies and future use cases? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, because once you've solved the, 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 the safety and the security aspect, it's a huge environment out there for the data for these types of systems. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we look at this as a um, mega trend, as a, a significant, significantly enabling uh, technology that would uh, literally change the automotive industry and the way consumers use their vehicles as a whole. Absolutely. And that whole industry is going through some major changes between autonomy and mobility as a service and, and now driver monitoring in cabin monitoring. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, we're not going to recognize our cars, you know, 10 years from now. And that's the whole premise of AI. It's uh, really enabling uh, what, what I normally, you know, talk about a lot and, uh, uh, and, and call ambient intelligence. It's, uh, it's actually removing that extra layer. Uh, between uh, technology or objects or devices and and humans, uh, where these uh, these uh, machines could potentially become an extension of of humans uh, once the safety aspects are established. So, Modar, I want to thank you for so much for being with us on the Tech Between Us. Um, really interesting stuff on you know, I mean, on what's going on inside the car, and, and you know, compared to like you said, I mean, the focus has been previously on what's outside the car. It is my pleasure, and thanks for having me, Raymond. Cheers. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Tech Between Us. Remember, this podcast is just one part of our original and ongoing content series, Empowering Innovation Together. You can find videos, articles, and more on driver monitoring systems at mauser.com slash empowering dash innovation. And don't forget to join us for our next episode when we talk private 5G networks.